You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of B-School. I already know that you are going to be really jazzed about today's guest. Her name is Missy Graffalone, and she is the founder of Wellness for Makers, which is this really cool company that I'm just so excited for you to get to know about. So, Missy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So for context, I met Missy at Alt Summit and we just kind of hit it off. And I'm excited for you to learn more about Missy and the company that she's built. She has so much knowledge and it's really cool the ways that she chooses to share it with other people. So Missy, you're a licensed massage therapist. You're also a 500-hour registered yoga teacher, which is a lot of hours, a lot of expertise right there. I'm curious what sparks your interest in the human body. Oh, man. So my interest in the human body, it really um, started way back when I would say when I was in high school, I tore my ACL and, you know, the recovery process was a long process. I had to have, you know, reconstructive surgery and then go through physical therapy training. And I think my interest in the body really sparked around then because I, I really loved working with my physical therapist and learning more about what was happening in my body. After that, he, you know, recommended that I start doing yoga in order to, you know, maintain strength and flexibility. So I started taking and practicing yoga around that time but I was really an artist. Like I wanted to be an artist. I wanted, I wanted to make things and you know, that's what I was passionate about. That's what I wanted to go to school for. You know, that's where my interests were, but my grades at the point in high school were not the best. And, you know, it wasn't looking like I was getting into like one of the like schools that I would want to be in at that point. So I actually took some time off of school after high school. And I went and traveled around California. I have some family out there. So it was really nice to, you know, go find myself. I don't know. I went out to California. I traveled up and down the coast and I met some like-minded people. And, you know, my cousin, um, he had been, you know, really pushing me to go back to school. And I was like, I don't need to go back to school. Jay, I'm an artist. It's fine. You know, I'll figure it out. I'll find my way. And he was like, you should really go back to school. You got to do something. You got to figure this out. And, you know, honestly, I was scared to go back to school at that point. You know, I had a teacher when I was in high school, not a teacher. I had a guidance counselor when I was in high school and he was like, you know, your, your grades aren't good enough to get into a four-year school. It's never going to happen. And so, you know, that kind of, as a teenager that sticks with you a little bit where you feel like you're not good enough, you're not going to get there. And so I was just trying to figure it out, navigate it on my own. And so my cousin was really pushing me and I met some people that were interested in like holistic practices, helping the helping people, helping uh, take care of the the human body. And I decided, you know what, maybe I'll just go back to school for massage therapy. It's like, you know, it pays well and 
Um, it's interesting. I, I it would pay a lot better than any of my friends who are currently waiting tables and I would be helping people. And so that's what I did. I signed up for a nine month program. I went and I, you know, it was a full-time program and I went and learned and, you know, got my license in massage therapy and it was an intensive program. And I was, you know, with a lot of, uh, I was studying with, uh, people who were studying to be medical technicians, uh, surgical technicians. And, you know, we were taking anatomy and physiology all together. It was a really empowering program, honestly. And it turned out that I loved learning about the body. Like that was the first time that I started seeing my grades really rise and, you know, that I was really into the material and that I could learn these, these things that I thought were, you know, maybe more advanced. And, then I just wanted to learn more and more. And so, you know, I kept going. And as a massage therapist, you have to do a certain amount of continuing education credits every year in order to maintain your license. So, you know, I kept doing that. And, but when I was in massage therapy school, I didn't want to let go of that artist of me. You know, I wanted to still go to art school. So, um, massage therapy school basically acted as a way to say, Hey, you know what? You are good enough. You can get those grades up. You can do what you love doing. So I applied, I got into the, the four-year school that I wanted to go to. And um, I went through my program. I got my BFA in fine arts um, with a focus in metal smithing and jewelry making. And I like loved the program. I was a studio tech. It was like, you know, I was really heavily involved in the art, in the art program there. And then I graduated and honestly, I didn't know what I was going to do. Now I had these two things. I didn't know what the heck to do with my art degree and I was like working as a massage therapist, working my way through art school. You know, I thought it was just a fallback plan, but now I'm like coming to the end of my grad, um, my undergraduate studies. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I just going to work at the spa? Am I going to like, you know, get paid barely nothing at this gallery? What am I, what am I doing? And one of my teachers was just like, you know what, you got to go back to grad school. You know, I don't know what you're going to do. You got to go to grad school. And I mean, I, I didn't have a better idea. So I went to grad school and in graduate school, I ended up going to SUNY New Paltz, um, which has a really great metal smithing and jewelry making program in the United States. And I fell in love with it. I mean, it was a really hard program. Um, I met some of the best people of my life there and it's, it's, it was a really life-changing experience. But when I was there, you know, I didn't know what the heck to make. I was like, you know, what am I going to do? I'm with all these people that are like really skilled and I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And then, um, we had a guest critic come in and he was like, this is interesting that you keep talking about yourself as a massage therapist. And like, you know, that you, you hold on to this aspect of you. Cause when I would talk to my teachers, I'd be like, Oh, I have the background in massage therapy, you know? And it's like, why do they care? You know, I don't know. So he was like, you know, this is interesting that you have this background. I want you to draw out your perspective of the body, you know, as a jeweler. And then I want you to draw out your perspective of the body as a massage therapist. And so that really, that exercise basically transformed my whole thesis work for my master's program. And all of my, uh, all of my artwork became about the interior structures of the human form. So I started studying more and more about the interior layers of connective tissue, the, the fascia that binds our muscles together. And I became fascinated with it. You know, I was like, you know, really 
trying to mimic these types of materials that are in our bodies, but in other types of materials like silicone rubber, making these like conceptual pieces. And then I graduated from school, you know, from my master's degree. And I went on and I was acting as a, you know, I was working as a studio artist, making art, making jewelry, all of these different things. And I was teaching classes and workshops and adjuncting and all of those things that an artist does. You know, they juggle a lot of uh, jobs often. And then when I was there, when I was going through that, I ended up teaching a workshop at Peters Valley School of Craft. And that's an adult's like craft center where you can go and you can learn, you know, metal smithing, you can learn blacksmithing and fibers and ceramics, whatever you want to learn. I was at the lunch table talking to a group of makers and they were just like, you know, we were all talking about the aches and pains that we were experiencing in our hands as a result of our studio practice. And one of them just went, you know what, we're all going to end up with arthritis. So we better just suck it up and deal with it. And for me, like that was so alarming. Like I had this background in massage therapy. I had been practicing yoga for, you know, many years at that point. And you know, I had been going through all my continuing education credits in order to maintain my license and, you know, worked my way through school. And I was just like, no, there's more we can do. And they were like, yeah, okay. So I went back to my room that night. I looked and looked, searched for an online resource of some kind that I could find that I could go back and offer them the next day. And I couldn't find anything. You know, I was like, what is there that I can offer these makers? Like, you know, wellness resource for artists, for makers, anything, you know, and I couldn't find like a central resource. So I decided, well, it's my responsibility to do something about it. And so then I started wellness for makers. I started teaching workshops and learning. And then all of my continuing education credits that I had been, you know, working so hard for rather than, you know, uh, rather than, you know, having my credits be in like deep tissue massage or Thai massage, I started making them in more self-care focused, you know, modalities and, and different types of, um, you know, credits that were, you know, focused in self-care. So I started learning about, you know, rock tape and the melt method and, you know, yoga tune-up and all of these different things where I could then apply that information to self-care and bring massage to artists in a more accessible way that, you know, they can learn about in their studio. And then through that continuing, ed, you know, I, I just loved all of the workshops. I love workshops. I love trainings. And so then before you knew it, I was like, I have to do, you know, a more advanced um, yoga teacher training. And I, I had gone through like, you know, I had studied yoga with very top line yoga instructors for many years. So where they had all had over, you know, they had thousands of hours worth of training. So it was like, you know, I had this high level of, of education just as a practitioner. So then to go through those trainings was like really important to me. So in my first year of yoga teacher training, I went through two, uh, 500 hours and one year. And then the next year I went through another 300 hours. So I actually did, you know, 800 hours worth of training. They just don't have that on the, the yoga Alliance uh, website, but you know, where you can, you know, cash in your, your more, more of your hours, but it was, it was incredible. And I, I love learning about the body. I love learning about the human form. And, you know, it was, it was amazing to be around, you know, go through that yoga teacher training, you know, the, the 800 hours worth of training and be surrounded by these like, 
anatomy nerds, you know, and we talked about this a bit at all, but like not every training is so heavily, not every yoga teacher training is the same and not everyone is like anatomically focused, you know? So it was exciting to have that, that be the primary focus, especially coming from the background that I came from. So yeah, I don't know. That was a long rant about my interest in the body and, uh, you know, nerding out about it over the years, but that's where it all kind of started. That's awesome. And I, I love hearing people give overviews of their stories like that, because you see how all of these things that seemed so disparate come together and allow you to serve the world in such a beautiful way. When I, I have conversations with people who are wondering what they should be doing with their life and what their purpose is and if they're like doing enough to move towards their goals. But I think there's something to be said for exploring what's right in front of you and seeing where that leads you. Because if you're if you're taking some type of action, it's easier for more things to to come in front of you versus if you just stand there paralyzed, like, oh, I don't know what to do, then it's hard to figure out what you like and you don't like. So what I love about your story is that you have this aspect of you where you are someone who is really interested in the human body. And then you have this aspect of you as someone who has a master's degree in art and obviously knows a lot about jewelry and metalsmithing. And you've been able to meld those together through Wellness for Makers. But I wonder what it's been like for you to step into this role of of being a business owner, of being an entrepreneur. Oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I didn't get taught how to be a business owner, you know, like there's a lot of trial and error and, you know, like, I started Wellness for Makers. I I say this all the time. I started Wellness for Makers before I knew what it was going to be. And that doesn't mean like some people take that as like, you know, fake it till you make it. And I wasn't faking it. Like I was upfront with people um, when I started it. I was like, Wellness for Makers, Wellness for Makers. I just started telling people about it. Basically, I just didn't wait. As soon as I got the idea, I started telling people about it. I you know, I got the domain name, I, you know, started researching how to make it a business, all these things. And I just started telling everyone I knew about it. And, you know, I knew a lot of gallery owners, I knew a lot of people that owned uh, businesses, which, you know, really helped as well. But they were all so supportive and having this network in the arts, you know, they, they were all so excited to share with me what, you know, like share a space for me to come teach a workshop or, you know, share some ideas of what else I could offer. And I wasn't afraid to be like, you know, to accept information or ideas from other people, from other artists. Like that was how I really built up the the business. It was like, okay, yeah, uh, you know, maybe you should try offering this or like, what, what if you offered that? Or like, you know what, you know, schools don't teach us this. What if you taught that? And I tried things on, you know, I was like, okay, well, let me see how that would work if I taught that or if I shared that type of information. And it was like, you know, certain things work well. Like I definitely work well teaching movement and alignment and all of that because that's what I'm best at, right? I don't have a background in, you know, understanding every chemical that an artist uses. So I'm not really the person to go to. However, I could interview someone that has that background. I could share which 
books to find, which resources to find to be able to find that information. So there was things like that that kind of happened. And, you know, I was trying to navigate like how to, you know, get people excited about it and offer information and also make money, you know, and that was really probably the hardest part was like figuring out how to like, you know, share and, you know, get it all out there and also, you know, make it into a business. And uh, that kind of took me a little bit of time because, you know, I didn't have a training in it. I didn't know where to look. I, you know, and all of my friends who had businesses weren't doing like the online business. They had like brick and mortar, you know, so it was like more traditional and it wasn't, you know, traveling around the country and speaking at conferences. So learning how to price my conference, like my conference rates, for example, and like university rates, that was really challenging. And in the beginning, you know, I ended up taking hits, you know, on, on, um, events costing me more money than I made. And it was a real, you know, a real learning experience, but it was worth it because, you know, it helped build my exposure. It helped get me out there to people and like network and, you know, uh, and all of that. But then really what helped me the most was education, educating myself and like, you know, listening to a lot of podcasts. I'm a huge podcast listener, you know, and listening to all of the different ones out there that are primarily about, you know, growing uh, an online business and just figuring out how to then redirect that energy into being able to, you know, grow my email list and, you know, network with these people and serve my audience both online and in person, you know, cause I had gotten kind of like the workshop thing down where when I got there, people were excited and then they wanted to, you know, follow and all of that. But there were all these other components. Another thing that was really beneficial for growing the business was collaborating with other makers. And so in the beginning, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm not the only artist who has a background in wellness, you know? So like, what else can I offer? Like, how can I create like a central resource? So I started before, way before I had the podcast, I used to interview people. Like my website was just mainly a blog. And I started to interview people that had backgrounds in yoga or occupational therapy or, you know, whatever it was, uh, and I, or physical therapy. And then I would, uh, interview them written out on online. And then it would just be like a blog post and then they would share that. And then that kind of helped grow and build the network of artists. And because I was a jeweler, you know, I started applying to jewelry, uh, conferences to speak. And then that grew that network. And then once that network kind of grew quite a bit and was supporting itself, I stepped out and said, well, I'm going to go speak at, you know, and, and talk to all the ceramics artists around and the fibers artists. And, you know, I just kept expanding out. And then um, this one nonprofit, they actually, you know, wanted to collaborate with me and they help artists in, they create like artist relief grants. So say your studio burnt down or got flooded or whatever, you know, they could provide grant money for you or even say something tragic happened and you were experiencing like heavy mental health that affected you being able to work and create your, your work. They can help you in those circumstances as well. So they were a really great organization to kind of collaborate with. And what was great about that is, you know, they were all about promoting wellness for makers 
And then they would like fly me out or bring me out to all of these different universities that they were doing trainings for. And they would go train and talk to the instructors there. And then I got to come and promote wellness for makers. So it was a really great experience because one, it got me used to speaking in front of people. Two, it exposed me to these other universities. And then the university said, hey, come back and talk to our students. So that really helped, you know, grow the business side of things. But like I said earlier, you know, the challenge was really figuring out how to make, you know, turn things into profit. So I realized that I have to have multiple income streams. It can't just be one thing, right? So like the speaking events is one thing, you know, that's one way I get money. Another way I get money is like selling tools. So I have a shop on my website and then I sell tools at events and, you know, they're all like different types of self-care tools that make sense to me that I use in my everyday practice that are affordable, you know, to artists. And then I, you know, have online content, webinars and live workshops and digital downloads and all of those other things, right? And then there's affiliates and all those things. So it was like learning how to structure all of that was probably the most challenging and then being comfortable selling. Like, honestly, I'm an outgoing person. I am, you know, in enthusiastic and I'm definitely an extrovert and that's great. And I could like, I could sell you so many things, but when it comes to selling my stuff, my own stuff, that was like such a challenge. Right. And I, I mean, when I'm at like an event and I'm talking about it, it's just natural. People want to buy it. Like they're excited for it, but it was like promoting myself online and talking about myself, you know, on Instagram or what I'm doing or what I'm teaching. That was like the hardest. And it's still a hard thing because you're like, you don't want to sound salesy or how much do I share? You know, how much do I say? Like that was all um, the biggest hurdle. And I think if I would have gotten over that sooner, I would have been in a much better place earlier on. But I was really, you know, self-conscious about it. And, you know, I think uh, all of us deal with our own types of self-doubts and stuff, and they all stem from different things. And for me, I mean, my self-doubt can even stem back to that teacher, that uh, guidance counselor, you know, saying, oh, you'll never get into that four-year school. You know, it's like those things are kind of embedded in you and you have to kind of rewire constantly to say, oh, no, that's not true. That's not fact. That's not where I am. Like two degrees and, you know, tons of certifications later, like I'm standing in a very different place, right? So I shouldn't keep those like thoughts in the back of my head, but we all have those experiences, those thoughts, those things that happen to us that trigger these fears to kind of come into our way and interfere with our, our vision, you know, our creative vision for our life. And so, you know, for me, it was like overcoming those things and saying, no, you know, I, I can, it's okay if I share what I, I offer. It's okay. Like I would tell my friend if I was super excited about going to an event and I would talk them into it, you know, and they would be all for it and be excited for it by the end. Even if they were, you know, skeptical, we would go and we would have a good time. Why am I afraid to say that about my own work? Because I know you're going to have a good time. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. And I know that there's a lot to, you know, a lot to gain from coming. So it's like learning those things, I think, were the most challenging for me um, as a business owner. Thank you for sharing that. I know for me as well, that's something that I've had to step into being like 
it's really easy to brag on the things that my friends are doing or something that I think is really cool. And it's something that I'm still definitely work on, working on being able to sell myself and trust that I'm providing something that's of value to the person on the other side of the conversation. Switching gears a little bit for one more question before we head into the lightning questions. I know a lot of the people who are listening aren't necessarily makers, but we are trying to figure out how to work in this new environment. Like I know for me, I'm sitting in my in-laws basement and I'm not at my normal desk and I've had to move things around to make it a little bit more ergonomical. I'm curious if you have any like maybe one or two quick switches that people can make to support their wellness, especially if they're someone who's working from home right now. Definitely. So there's a lot. And I think one of, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and narrow, the, narrow it down, but you know, I think a, sim- a few simple things are paying attention to your posture and your alignment. And I say the word posture and people typically are like, they cringe and they're like, oh, I just have terrible posture. You know, like that, that'll never work for me. I have terrible posture. And it's like, okay, rather than blaming ourselves for having terrible posture, how about we just check in and notice where our posture is and how far out of alignment we come throughout the day? Because chances are, you know, working from home and not being able to go to work or not being able to go to the, you know, grocery store or the gift shops or wherever you go, you know, throughout your day, you go, I don't know what you're doing, but you know, that typically means less movement, right? We're not going to the gym. We're not necessarily going to our our, um, yoga studios or wherever it is we're going to. And unless you're creating a consistent movement practice right now online, virtually over zoom, you know, you probably are moving a lot less than you're used to moving in a typical day. And if that's the case, then I want to invite you to figure out ways to incorporate more movement into your day. And movement doesn't have to be this scary thing. I think that a lot of times when people hear the word movement, they think of it as like this intimidating thing. Like I have to go to a workout class or I have to go to you know the gym and it doesn't have to be that intimidating. You can think about movement as simple as movement means to change position. So incorporating more other positions into your day. So having a little reminder on your desk, on your phone, whatever it is, sometimes the phone, the sound is a bit jarring. So there are other ways that you can invite like a little, you know, reminder into your day. I don't know what it is, you know, but maybe it's a little post-it note. Maybe it's, you know, something else that, that happens, but you know, just something that reminds you to move, change position. When you see it, you readjust, you check in with your breath and, you know, move your head back, right? And just notice how far out of alignment you come. I think sitting up tall regularly just helps us to understand how far out of alignment we move throughout the day. And the thing is, okay, so a lot of people often tell me they're like, yeah, but like what's more comfortable? Like sitting up tall is not comfortable to me. And yes, okay. So for those of you who sitting up tall, it's not comfortable. Basically what that means is that your body is no longer strong enough to hold yourself up tall, 
So your muscles are working, working, working extra hard. And then that five seconds, that 10 seconds, that 30 seconds, it's too intense. And then you just go back to your, your default position. And it's taken many years to create this default position that you're in. So if you're used to rounding in on your shoulders and having your neck hang forward for long periods of time, that's your default right? So it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take consistency to create a new default, but it's worth the effort because before you know it, you are sitting up stronger and taller and you are experiencing less back pain and less shoulder pain. So I would say it's as simple as that. Like checking in regularly with your posture is the first and you know, most valuable tip I think I can offer you right now and in working from home. And then also, you know, changing position as much as possible. And that could just mean, you know, going from sitting at the kitchen table to sitting in an office chair or sitting, you know, sitting on the floor, standing, you know, squatting, moving around your space and playing around with how you can, you know, be at your your laptop or your computer. You know, I think that that's, really valuable information. And then finally, I, I want to add one more thing. Sorry. Um, it's just that listening to the signals that your body provides you with, like if, it, if your body sends you a little pain signal, you know, it'll, you know, you start to hear, feel that back pain going and triggering or your neck pain triggering when you're looking at Instagram. And then before you know it, you ignore it. And then it, it's, you know, it kind of comes back a little bit. And then you might shift your weight a little bit back and forth and then it goes away and then it comes back louder and louder and louder and louder until you can't stand it anymore. I think learning to listen to our bodies earlier on is what's going to benefit us in the long run. Waiting for those pain signals to get really loud uh, is, is not honoring your body. You know, those pain signals are there to be protective. They're there to be helpful. And if we ignore them, then we're doing our bodies a disservice. Mm, That's a really good reminder. So now I'll go into the lightning questions. These are the questions I ask everyone who comes on the show. The first is, what is something that you've learned recently that you're excited about? And it can be related to any topic. So I've been learning. Okay, so I I got this book. um, It's called Mending Matters. And it's learning how to mend clothes, you know, like uh, repair old jeans and denim, basically. It's all about repairing denim. I mean, you could repair anything, but that's really, I've been very excited about mending my old jeans and like ripping up others and creating new patterns and things. It's been very exciting and it's really sparked other ideas and thoughts in my head as well, like in terms of mending you know, clothing also referring to like, you know, repairing. And so thinking about like how we, how we have the ability to mend and repair our bodies as well. So there's been this like, you know, uh, ongoing thought process in my head as I'm learning to mend. It's been very exciting. That's such a cool thing to be learning, like really useful. But yeah, I love that question because everyone's learning different things. The next question that I have for you is what's something that you're in the process of unlearning? Yeah, this one was hard. <laughs> I was like, yeah, process of unlearning. Um, so let's see. I uh I think that, you know, I kind of talked about it earlier, but like that ongoing process of, you know, not getting in your own way, you know, 
like not being afraid to show up for your audience, for yourself. I think that is an ongoing journey. It really is. It is. And then the last question is the one I get the most excited about. And it's what's a way that you've grown that you're proud of? So I'm, I'm really proud of uh, how much I've, I've learned over the years and how different my workshops are structured now than they were in the very beginning. And I think that it's also really exciting. So like recently I taught a virtual live workshop over Zoom. And um, one of the most exciting things was to see people logged on that attended workshops like a couple of years ago, three years ago, and to see them there again, like excited to learn more, excited about the evolution of the material, you know, like understanding that the content is constantly evolving, you know, that there's always more to learn. I think that was something that I've been, I, I was so excited to see them there and I, I welcomed them and I was just like, you know, you know, cause I remember people pretty well and I, I love being able to see those faces again and again, because that means to me that, you know, their interest in the body is, is continuing. So, and, and being able to maintain a lasting studio practice. So that's what I think I'm most proud of is seeing my students show up again and again for themselves. That's a really good one. So Missy, if people heard what you were saying and they were nodding along and they want to make sure that they keep in touch with you, where can they find you online? Sure. So um, wellnessformakers.com, that is the website where you can find, you know, anything else about me and all the free resources that I offer. I have a lot of freebies available and then also webinars and live classes. And then on Instagram, it's just at wellnessformakers. Thank you so much. All of this will be linked in the show notes. And Missy, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com.